Good morning and welcome to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. Folks, of late, the thing that is fascinating me, or the aspect rather than the thing, the aspect that is fascinating me about God is God himself. I read a little book, a very old book, called The Hour That Changes the World. And in this book, it breaks up the hour into a time of prayer in five-minute segments the whole way through. But the first segment and the last segment is to praise God. And it goes and it encourages us to praise God for who he is. Now, I have to confess to you, and I think that this would be true of most of us, is that when we think of God... We end up that we relate that to our own personal experience of God. And so if we have a deep relationship with God, then we're very excited about who God is. And if we have no relationship with God, well then, who is God? And so it seems to be very, very closely wed to our understanding of who God is in a personal capacity. This morning we're going to have a hymn special just focusing on the person of God. And yes, even the hymn writers get caught up in what it is and who it is that God is to them. We're going to look at some of the lyrics of those hymns. We're going to look at some scriptures. And this first piece is who is like unto thee. Now that is taken directly from Exodus in chapter 15, where Moses in his song of praise, after the deliverance of the people of Israel out of Egypt and across the Red Sea, goes and says, who is like unto thee, O Lord among the gods. Who is like unto thee, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Who is like unto thee? Now the thing is that in Moses' case, as they were crossing the Red Sea, as they'd seen the deliverance that had taken place and how God had set them free by miraculous things, miracle after miracle after miracle that took place to actually see them through. And God had revealed that he indeed was God. And as the plagues had been coming on the people of Egypt, even the magicians went and cried out to Pharaoh, Stop this madness! This is beyond our scope. We can't go and do what Moses is doing. This is indeed God. And so when Moses makes a statement, who is like thee amongst the gods? What we have is that God, Yahweh, was establishing that he was indeed God over all of the gods that we human beings go and create, such as the Egyptian gods of Ra, etc., etc. Who is like thee? When you stop up, and if you were to spend five minutes praising God for who he is, would the reaction of your heart, your soul, your spirit, your mind, be who is like unto thee? Or would you be saying, I don't know who God is at all? The next hymn I want to look at is one written by Joachim Neander, who lived in 1650 to 1680. And it is a very familiar hymn. And it goes, praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. And then immediately in the next line, he goes and exhorts his soul. Oh, my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. Diving straight into Psalm 103 and verse 3. And then he exhorts all of us, all ye who hear, as we're listening to him, brothers and sisters draw near, 
praise him in glad adoration. Why? Why should we praise him? That is the question. Well, Joachim goes on to explain. Praise to the Lord who prospers thy work, blesses your work, and defends thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attends thee. Diving into Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then here, I love this, these two words. Ponder anew. In other words, stop up. Think about it. Think about it afresh. What the Almighty can do. Who with his love doth befriend thee. When we think about God. Is God someone who can actually do something in your life? Or is he some distant deity who just seems to leave you struggling in all of your daily life? Drowning in your circumstances as Peter was. But Joachim goes on again. Praise to the Lord who doth nourish thy life and restore thee. Again, diving back into Psalm 23. This time in verse 2. Fitting thee well for the tasks that are ever before thee. In other words, the one who enables us to be able to do the tasks that are before us is God. And he's the one who goes and enables us to do it. But listen to this. Again, another picture of who God is. Then to thy need, he, like a mother, doth speed, spreading the wings of grace o'er thee. So often the Psalms speak of how God goes and spreads his wings over us. And even Jesus himself, as he was riding into Jerusalem, went and said, Oh, how I long to gather you as a hen gathers its chicks under its wings. You contemplate God. Is this who God is for you? If so, praise him in glad adoration. Midlands 183 Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill, where we are having a hymn special, worshipping and praising God for who he is. Looking at some of the old hymns, the words in those hymns, and how these hymns focus on the person of God. If we began this time by focusing in on the scripture in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 11 where Moses goes and says, Who is like thee, O Lord, among the gods? And the question is, do we know who God is? As I was saying, I've read a little book called The Hour That Changes the World and it's a book about prayer and spending an hour with God and it breaks up the hour into five-minute segments and the first segment is to praise God for who he is and the last segment is also to praise God. And so that first five minutes is just praising God for who he is. Now here's the challenge I want to put to you. If you were to sit down for five minutes and were to consider who God is, would you have five minutes of material to actually go and praise God for? Now here's the next challenge. You see, it's sometimes very easy for us if we have a relationship with God to thank God for all the things that he has done for us. Thank him for his grace. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his mercy. But stop up. If we're praising God for who he is, we should be able to do so without actually considering who he is to us. Just praising him for being him. And that is an even greater challenge. And to be honest, folks, that is one that I have stepped into myself as I've been using this hour 
that goes and changes the world. And I would encourage you all to go and use it. It is a fantastic tool. Myself and Owen were driving along in the car the other night, heading to Athlone for a meeting, and we were conversing about God, the Father, and whether a person actually will actually see God the Father when we get to heaven. Will we see God? We've been speaking about that every reference to God in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, where God comes down, like when he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, was actually Christ. When Moses was speaking with God face to face, the person he was meeting was Christ. Elijah, his encounter was with Christ. Why do we say that? Because Jesus goes and says in the Gospels that no one has seen the Father except through me. So when we look back over the Old Testament, if no one has seen the Father, then the only one who it is that turns up in these occasions is Christ. So he said, do you think we're going to see God the Father? I said, no. I said, no, and here's why. Just think about the hymn that goes and says, immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days. Almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. Just stop up and think about that. Think about the words, immortal, never died, invisible, can't be seen. God only wise. Goes and tells us in Isaiah that God's wisdom is not as ours. His ways are not as our ways. In light, inaccessible. So the light is so bright you cannot access it. Hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty victorious, thy great name we praise. Does that not fire your spirit? It does mine when I start to think about that. Just think about it. The angels tell us in Isaiah, the seraphim, as they fly around the throne of God, they have six wings, two is underneath their feet, two they fly with, and two of those wings cover their eyes because the glory, the majesty, the holiness of God is so, so powerful that you cannot look upon it. And they cry out day and night, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Let us listen to Immortal Invisible. Written by W. Chambers Smith, who lived in 1824 to 1908. Folks, I've already mentioned about the seraphim in the book of Isaiah, flying around the throne of God, covering their feet, covering their eyes, and flying with six pairs of wings, two flying, two covering their face, two covering their feet, and continuously going and saying, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I have to confess to you that as I ponder the holiness of God, it excites me no end that God is someone who is set apart. God is someone who is without fault. God is someone who is perfect. God is someone in whom there is nothing but purity. And in a world that we live in that, let's be honest, doesn't have any of those traits very much floating around. It is wonderful that there is one entity in our world that is like that. Reginald Heber, who lived between 1783 and 1826, wrote the hymn, Holy, 
holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, based on John's revelation found in chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, verses 8 to 11. And so he's praising God for his holiness, a thrice holy God. I was lamenting with some people of late that you don't hear people speaking about the holiness of God anymore. It's all just about the love of God. How God's just there for you. And we forget who God is. That he is holy. 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 Merciful and mighty. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. Reginald goes on to say, Holy, holy, holy. All the saints adore thee. Casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Then here he goes, they're talking about the angels. Cherubim and seraphim fall down before thee, who wert and art and evermore shall be. God who was and is and will be forever the same. Isn't it amazing when you stop up and consider who God is? You see, in the hustle bustle of life, don't we lose focus on who God is? I know I do. What about you? Midlands 103. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill, where we're having a hymn special looking and focusing on the character of God. And as I've been saying, I was reading a little book, an old little book called The Hour That Changed the World. And, and the book goes and shows you how you can pray for an hour, breaking up the hour into five-minute segments. And the first five-minute segment is to praise God for who he is. And as I was embarking on this journey of being able to pray for an hour following this little book, I discovered that in me personally was a lack of depth in understanding of who God is. And as I have been delving into that and recognizing that deficiency in my life, I've been delving into the character of God because I wanted to be able to praise God for who he is. And not on a superficial level where it's just, thank you God for who you are to me. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. We all know those things. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. I wanted to get in and really be praising God for who he is. Yes, as we've been looking at the hymns, etc. and all the rest, we cannot go and separate our own personal encounter and experience with God from that. And the lectionary psalm that we're looking at today is Psalm 139. And this is where David goes and delves into that. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Coming from God's perspective, looking at us. But here reading the psalm to us is Charlie's. Thank you, Charlie's. We're reading from Psalms 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. 
your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God! How vast is, is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and arbor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Taste me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now I'd like to share with you a reflection on Psalm 139, based on verses 7 to 12 of the psalm. And this is a little book that on Farbyug got, called God is Always With Me, written by Danny Daly McCall. And I'd like to share it with you because I think this this is a message, even though it's written in a child's book form, that we all need to get a grasp of. If I climb, climb, climb up the tallest tree, even way up high, God is watching me. If I swim down, down in the ocean blue, deep as I can go, God is down there too. If I find a cave and I hide in there, I can't hide from God. God is everywhere. If I run away, far as I can go, I won't run from God. God will always know. If a storm kicks up and lights go out, God can hear my prayer. I won't need to shout. When I'm on my bike and I take a fall, God will pick me up, because he sees it all. If I'm at my friend's on an overnight, God is right there too. He's just out of sight. If I have to switch to a school that's new, I won't be alone. God will go there too. I don't like it much when I'm last in line, but since God's there too, guess I'll be just fine. If I'm in the car on a boring ride, God can share my seat. He'll be by my side. If I sailed to earth in a parachute, God would come along just to troubleshoot. If I went to Mars at the speed of light, God would go there too for the long, long flight. God goes everywhere I could ever go, and I'll tell you why. Because he loves me so. Do you know the reality of God like that? That God is with you in everything that you do. 
Do you know, I reckon if we can just grasp that one concept of God, that he is Emmanuel, God with us, and he will never leave us nor forsake us, it would transform our lives. But that still is a reality. I reckon that most of us haven't grasped yet. Midlands 183 Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill, where we have been focused on praising God for who he is. Praising God for being God. And we've been looking at various hymns and the writing of those hymns and how the authors of them have been capturing that. But most of what they draw from in all of those hymns is their understanding of Scripture. Today, our psalm is Psalm 139. And David writing this is looking at himself under God's microscope, if you like. And he recognizes and realizes various things about himself. But the first thing that he recognizes and realizes about himself is that he is someone that God knows intimately. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, Lord. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. And then he comes out with this. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The idea that God knows everything about us can do either one of two things. It'll have you that you embrace that and it excites you and enthuses you that God loves you so much and understands everything about you that you can just relax into his presence. Or it'll do the opposite. You just want to go and say, get away from me, Lord. Or as Peter went and said, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Because he knew he was found wanting in the eyes of God. So who are you today? Are you someone when you contemplate that God knows you? God knows your thoughts. God knows the way that you live. God knows everything that you're going to do before you go and do it. Does that freak you out? Or does that enthuse you? That God is that intimately connected with you. But does it not indeed cause us to come to the conclusion that the knowledge of that is too wonderful, too lofty for us to attain. One of the things, as I've said earlier today, that I genuinely believe is the issue in so many of our lives is that we have come to a point where we have decided to cut God out of our lives. We believe that God is some sort of old-fashioned fairy tale, that God doesn't even have anything to do with us. In fact, God doesn't exist. The atheist tries to prove that through his various arguments for the non-existence of God. But the reality is, that's not the case. God is someone who is intricately involved in our lives. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Ephesians 2.10 is one of the most beautiful verses in Scripture because it goes and says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. When we look at the Genesis account, it goes and tells us that we are someone that God has made in his own image. Every other creature, it goes and says in Genesis, God commanded the land to bring forth 
various animals of their kinds and various birds of their kind. But when it comes to humans, God has gone and created us himself personally, fashioned us in his image. And if we disconnect that, we've lost our purpose, we've lost our reason, we've lost the function of our lives. And David is saying, yes, God, you are intricately involved in my life. And then he goes and he says in verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. That should, if you are someone who is a believer in God, bring you great comfort. No matter where you go, God is with you in fulfillment to his promise. And that is what David is saying. I know I cannot escape the presence of God. It doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter what happens. God is there. But do you believe that? Do you genuinely believe that God is with you? If so, your life, I believe, will be completely different. But it would only be completely different when we know who God is. And who is God? What does David say about him? If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. And then what he goes and says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that full well. When you look in the mirror and you see your reflection facing back at you, do you go and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made? I am going to be straight up and say this. The majority of us, the world over, do not. Because we all think that there's something needs to be fixed. If we didn't believe anything needed to be fixed, there would be no cosmetic industry. There would be no plastic surgery industry. If we truly believed that we were someone who was fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in this secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. Just stop there and think about that. How precious to me are your thoughts, God? How much time do you go and take pondering God's thoughts? How much time do you take pondering God's word and considering who you are in light of his word? Considering who God is in light of his word. I would encourage you. I would exhort you. I would beg with you, plead with you. That you get a notebook and a Bible and just start to go through the book of Psalms and write down all the things in it. The things, the character, attributes of God. For example, look at all of who God is. Write them down and ponder on them. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. I hope that you've been excited and thrilled. Just as we've been contemplating who God is 
over this last hour. I know I have. And so, all that's left for me to say is thank you for listening to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gale. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you, show you grace and turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Midlands 103